are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 16 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Stork. And my name is Kurt. In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, John writes in saying, Help! I gave the party a dragon egg. Now what? Uh, Ken R. writes in about differing gaming groups. That was what we were supposed to read last week. And because, yeah, it wasn't... We, yeah. Uh, Jonas sends us an email about being a murder hobo in a modern setting. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on social meteors. Happyjacksrpg, all one word. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. And we stream live at Saturday at 11 p.m. Pacific Time at happyjacks.org slash live. We're starting a a week earlier than we were supposed to because I had to work late yesterday. But we're going to be on Saturdays for a while. Not forever, but probably for eh, a month or two or maybe through the end of the year. Who knows? Uh, Oh, there's one of... This is out. This is my third book. Mandite and the Collegium Magicum. And, you are on fire! And you can get the, this... the authoring there. Yes! Amazon, Man, you're like Isaac Asimov. You're putting out a book a week. I wish I could put out a book a week. Uh, it's <laughs> available on Amazon uh, is as a Kindle and as a print-on-demand book. This is actually a print-on-demand book. And uh, and I've just finished the, the outline. I, I threw out the outline for the fourth book and I redid it. Because I'm like, wait a second. Nothing interesting happens in this outline. That doesn't sound like a formula for a very good novel. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, Robert Jordan got away with that for many, many books. Some people say You're that... You're not arguing. Some people, I haven't read any of Robert Jordan's books, so I, I can't actually say anything to that I think matter. he got paid by the word. <laughs> Was he a lawyer? No, he's just very worried. Have any of you read the Skippyverse books? No. <laughs> Skippyverse? That's what I call them. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Expeditionary Force is the name of the series. No. Uh, I, I can't, I don't, I really enjoy reading them, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like a science fiction fans version of, of like romance novels. <laughs> okay. All right. But it's, they're not ro- no romance novels. No, no. I, I, I get what you point. Uh, uh, a friend of a friend of mine actually wrote, had a Harlequin, uh, contract, Oh, really? And uh, she was required to write, it was either 13 books in 24 months or 24 books in 13 months. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like work. That sounds like, that sounds hard. No, wow. I mean, they were formulaic by design, but you know, that, that was, oh. if she, if she finished that contract, then they would publish basically anything else she wrote. Um, so yeah, it was. You're, it, I enjoy fluffy fantasy stuff now and again. I mean, I like, I like Mercedes Lackey. I can only read a book every now and again because after a while, it's just too many fairies and unicorns. But they're fun, yeah. so I get it. Yeah, I think, um, I think that the Expeditionary Force. There's about twelve books in that series, I believe, and he's cranking out two or three a year right now. If uh, if find you're out looking, who the most prolific science fiction or fantasy author is, you know, just number wise. Oh, oh, I was, I was about to say, I think I know. 
Um, of course you do. <laughs> well, because I know who you're married to. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> who works with well, books and literature all the time. Well, yeah, and, and she's particularly a fan of an online uh, series, uh, an online novel, uh, or series of novels, or whatever you want to call them, called The Wandering Inn, um, which updates twice a week, and each um, each chapter is about 30,000 words. Holy shit! <laughs> God damn! Somebody just writes constantly all day yes. long? Yeah, she, she's... Or is she's it number writing, AI? She's right. No, she's writing. She she's somewhere over seven million words at this point in the Whoa. in the series. Um, and one of the things that that Mary uh, loves about it is one, it's um, there are various different uh, uh, you know uh, point of view uh, uh, protagonists. I think there's like twenty different point of view protagonists in it, and uh, more than half of them are female or non-binary. Um, the uh, there is a, an amazing attention to detail with regards to uh, 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 what is it uh, continuity uh, that it doesn't it doesn't contradict itself, or if it if it ever does, it's because one of the characters misunderstood what was going on. So you've got a little bit of an unreliable narrator kind of thing going on. <laughs> I'm still I'm still wigging over thirty thousand every two weeks. You say no, no. Well, okay. So each chapter is about thirty thousand words. They have been that's down. She used to uh, do fifty thousand words. And the chapters that's like be... that's like half of one of my books. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not exactly sure what constitutes a an update versus a chapter. She posts updates twice a week. Okay, I see. I was sitting here thinking, like, I'm not even but, sure I could keep up on the, on the reading. No, no. Uh, uh, like, time to read 30,000 words every she, two weeks. She, she quite literally writes faster than I read. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I read slower. According to, um, Giz- according to Gizmodo, Lionel Fanthorpe is the most prolific science fiction or fantasy author. Lionel Fanthorpe? That is so going to be an NPC in a game. Someday. Right. <laughs> he had... He had uh, 20 different pseudonyms. Oh, all right. And he he wrote 180 books, 80, 80, 89 of which were written during a three-year period. Holy shit. That guy was cranking them out. And they wow. said, at number two, they put Mercedes Lackey. She has a lot of books. I would think that... Uh, 142, Mode, according Ellie to this Mode article. said as well. He has a bunch of books. He's probably in the next. Next is Pierce Anthony, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's all. Yeah, all the Zanth novels themselves are like forty of them or something. Yeah. Walter Gibson, who I've not heard of, nineteen thirties and forties. Oh, he wrote The Shadow. He's no William Gibson. Harry Turtledove. That doesn't surprise oh, me. Yeah. yeah, no. Andre Norton, Asimov. Bill was... B- Brian Aldis. I don't know. I know Norton. Novels. I, she cut my teeth on Andrea Norton. She was Wolfgang like, you know, Holbein. All the books Holbein. Library. Wolfgang Holbein. German. I don't know. Come on. And then they have Ray Bradbury. R.A. Salvatore. Yeah, but Ray Is it Salvatore or Salvatore? Salvatore. He doesn't I've, pronounce the E? I've heard him introduce himself okay. in an interview, so it's Salvatore. That would that would be about as... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not a... Th- 
authoritative. That'd be about as authoritative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He introduces himself by his own name in an interview that I heard, you know that has video and audio. Right. Okay. It's uh, wrong. I'm gonna, I'll go ahead and read the first name. Anyway, but if you ha- if, if if you like science fiction and you don't mind it being mm, light reading, I'll say they're fun books. The Expeditionary Force Series, and there's about a twelve of them, and he's published two or three this year. Could probably because of the lockdown, he's like, well, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I gave the party a dragon egg. Now what? From John, greetings all. Sounds like giving the party a fucking rhinoceros. Uh, <laughs> but it's an egg. You actually gotta haul the thing around and not yeah, break it. You haven't made the the fatal mistake yet, <laughs> John. Here, also known as some dude from Idaho. Uh, in my previous email, I was... Is that your own private Idaho? In my uh, previous email, I was not trying to remain anonymous, just forgot to sign it. I don't remember when this is. Kind of hope. The asshats that I wrote about, listen to your show. I doubt it, though, or they wouldn't have tried to pull the shit that they did. He didn't. He'd actually asterisk out shit, but I'm going to assume that's the word he meant. It wasn't probably. I, wasn't, I actually think I remember this soot. email. It happened a while ago, but I think I remember it. He was he was trying to game at a gaming store, and uh, they had a, a young woman with them, and there was oh. a bunch of ass hats. Oh, that, oh yeah. A brief were, a brief recap. Yes. It was a it was a revenge TPK at the time. Um, at a game at a store, game store yeah. involving. Two of the regular players, myself and, and a D&D newbie who happened to be a girl, uh, one of the suggestions is that you pull her aside and run a short game for her so she would know that not all nerds are misogynist douchebags. I had not thought about it at the time and figured it would it would be kind of creepy to drive around the town and ask random girls if they wanted to role play in my dungeon. Okay, sure. Yeah. Fair. It is, it's very, very creepy, yeah. I've been don't, watching. Don't TV. anybody do that. Yeah. Good, good on you for recognizing that. Yes. Fact. <laughs> I, I've been watching Criminal Minds. Oh yeah. Because the, the 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 first fuck you Netflix thirteen episodes or thirteen seasons are on Netflix, and then it's like, what do you mean this is it? I'll still. <laughs> we'll talk later. No, I've already. I I, I already. I, I found them on Amazon. So oh, okay. I, I yeah. started. I, I, I figured, you know what? Fuck this! I'm just going to watch the first episode of the next season so I can see how the cliffhanger ends, and I'll just yeah. wait until until the rest of it's out. But that, God, that show is so fucking formulaic. Yeah, I guess after 15 years, you're gonna you're gonna be yeah. Wheels up in 20. Wheels up in 30. Wheels up in 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're looking at a team. Uh, let's see where it was. Uh, the, in good news, since then I've found a group in my local area. I am GMing a game of 5e D&D every Tuesday. It consists of six players of varying experience. Now that the issue... vaguely familiar. Right. Early on, to promote role-playing and player interaction, I had initiated a crit-fail-crit-succeed role... If they rolled a 1 or a 20, they got to dictate what happened. It actually made my job easier and really drew the players in. Mm -hmm. Apparently, when they have a stake in it, even the withdrawn players get a bit more into the game. Yes. I thought... tip for everybody, I think. Absolutely. I thought, man, this is awesome. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I have a somewhat uh, permissive gaming style. Uh, Pretty much let the players try whatever they want then let the dice decide if it works or not. This was all great until they went into some caves in which kobolds were guarding a dragon egg. 
Well, my stupid druid player decided she wanted the egg and rolls a natural 20 on her animal handling skill. Well, son of a bitch. So they have been packing around the stupid dragon egg for several sessions now, and I have been trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with it. Now, you would think I had learned my lesson, but no. Last session, they finally get to the tavern, and I had given them that I had given them which, by the way, they immediately decided to turn into a brothel, (laughs) wrote a theme song for their brothel, and started hiring whores. In one of the outbuildings, I rolled a random encounter, which was a giant spider. The same stupid druid cast animal friendship on it, speaking speak to animals, and rolled a 20 on her persuasion skill. Now, as long as they feed it, they have a pet giant spider. Uh, We're all having fun, and I don't really want to change the way I GM or take away any of their agency. My question is, what the hell do I do with the stupid dragon egg? I like the the fact that the spider can work as a a bouncer. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody who doesn't pay well, you know, like suddenly the spider drops out of the ceiling and scares the bejesus out of them and start paying. If if the giant spider is smart enough to be able to be trained that way, that would be a fantastic bouncer. Best bouncer ever. Oh yeah, right. it, guard dog or whatever, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's along the same lines of you know, no, no, no. You don't have to mess. Uh, you're not going to get in trouble <coughs> with me. You're going to get in trouble with him. And yeah. look up and uh, right. oh, crap. <laughs> Come descending it's also down. Also, a good place yeah. to store all your stuff. You know, you just put it in the outhouse with the giant spider. No one's going to go in there and get your shit. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's where you put your treasure chest and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, with regards to the uh, aforementioned stupid dragon egg, I see two options and there are probably more um one is that um you you it requires redonkulous uh uh environmental uh 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 conditions in order to hatch right it is essentially a rock until it goes through the necessary uh, uh, environmental conditions like being in a dragon nest um, to actually be able to hatch it. Um, and so maybe they can never get that. Maybe they can never achieve that or or they have to go on a really serious quest in order to uh, get the necessary um, uh, conditions in order to hatch it. I would even go one step further because this is something oh, sure. I was thinking. Just to add, just to piggyback off what you're saying before you yeah. continue with your other three. Uh, it might be interesting to figure out what type of dragon it is first, because perhaps each dragon has a different birthing and style. I was style. yes, I was thinking okay. the same thing. I was I was thinking the exact same thing because you know the the uh, if you're going the uh, the Daenerys Targaryen route, where it's like, well, I'm just going to build a giant fire and throw the egg in, um, and you know, well, yes, but it's a white dragon egg, and you've just cooked it, and now you have uh, a, hard a soft boiled. Egg. Now you have a hard boiled <laughs> dragon egg. <laughs> Certainly, they need dragon to egg salad. somebody who's, who specializes in dragons who would be hard to find, right? And have yeah. them identify the egg, you know. And exactly, it, it could be a gold dragon, and you know, and maybe it's as simple as the Narius thing, which is the, whatever breath weapon they use is what you use on that egg to make it hatch. You know? Right. In which case, what do you do if it's a blue dragon? Right. What, what <laughs> do blue dragons mean, be? I don't even remember. Lightning. Lightning. Oh. <laughs> Gonna put it right. in a lightning pond. 
You gotta, you gotta take it out to sea in a, in a, in a hurricane during a thunderstorm. You or wait for your wizard to get to level five and hit it with lightning bolt. One point six gigawatts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's alive. Yeah, I, I kind of exactly. like the see. I kind of like the idea of, of letting the letting the egg, egg hatch kind of on its own. But when the dragon comes out, it's fully sentient. Doesn't it's not going to bond to you or any shit like that. It's just a, a fully aware and pissed off dragon right away. It's just little. So, yeah, um, that that is a variant on where I was going with my second oh, okay. idea. Uh, my second idea is comes from the Naomi Novik uh, series, uh, her Maj- uh, His Majesty's Dragon, um, the Temeraire series. Um, for those of you who have read it, um, for those of you who haven't, it's essentially the Napoleonic Wars with dragons. Um, think Master and Commander fanfic because that's basically what it is. Um, uh, but the, the, the main dragon character in that Temeraire, um, they find this dragon egg and, um, what they don't know because they're not dragon specialists, they're Navy people, Navy men, is that, uh, the dragon actually bonds before it hatches. It, it actually it it is sentient and sapient in the egg. So unlike Anne McCaffrey, where, where once they're born, they they have a window to bond, but right. they're actually starting that in, so in utero. It's yeah, exactly. Whoever, it's yeah. whoever's sitting on it. Uh, well, I mean, it, big egg, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, so in in this case, what it is is <laughs> in this case uh, the um, the the. The dragon, upon hatching aboard ship, bonds with the the ship's captain, and um, now he can't be a navy captain anymore. He has to be a dragon captain, and he has no idea how to do that. And you know, the navy is his life, as it would have been in eighteenth century English navy. Um, so it's uh, you know the new. You know, it, and the dragon's only going to bond if, if the dragon bonds to anyone. Like Stu said, maybe it doesn't. It's probably only going to bond to one person in the party. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that is a temporary style uh, uh, life bond that they have, or whether that's like um, the uh, the uh, uh, character that Sam played in the uh, Rifts game, the Savage Rifts game, right. where it was, uh, and uh, it was the relationship between Sam's character and Bill's character. Uh, <laughs> right. Whoever's the first th- first thing she sees after hatching. Right, right exactly. And, and, you know, oh, yes, no, I'm absolutely her mother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, um, and, and, the 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 other thing is, dragons eat a lot. Like, take an elephant and then multiply it by a factor of at least five to begin with. And when they're growing, they're gonna the, the amount they're gonna eat is gonna grow exponentially for a while too. By a lot, yeah. yeah. No. The kids act out too, you know. They know what they're doing. They could be, you know, burning down your inn or your brothel in this case, or you know, yeah. randomly attacking people just because they don't know their own strength. And it, yeah. it, it could also, I mean, the dragon may—you never know. Out of it could come out like the Urkel of dragons, and it might not be like really that great of a dragon as far as dragons go. Oh, oh, it's it's <laughs> like a 
it's a true white elephant. It's the right. uh, <laughs> you know the albino elephant that can't do any work because it's so weak, but it's still an elephant and, and therefore still, eats yeah. a lot. It burns down the inn and goes, did I do that? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did I do that? That's it. Much better. The, the other thing I was thinking was, was uh, you know, even before, before or maybe even after the, the dragon is born, dragons are rare. And uh, perhaps there's a very angry, hurt mother or father or cousin out there who wants their their sibling back or their child back. I mean, who knows? And also, who knows how long it takes a dragon egg to hatch or how long? I mean, it could be centuries old as well. Oh, sure. So, so I mean, they could be hitting this thing with lightning for, for weeks before anything happens, you know? Shock the it, shit it, out of this thing. <laughs> right? And maybe they roll, need to roll another natural 20. Like, you hit it with lightning once a week, and every every week you have to roll a 20, or maybe once a month or something. I don't know. Or maybe, but that way you can delay the inevitable. But I also think that once the dragon is born, other dragons are going to be attracted to it. Uh, especially if there's a mother out there somewhere looking for her lost egg. Oh, sure. Oh, That's, yeah. that's like the, whatever that latest iteration of the Jurassic Park movies, when they gets the... No, it wasn't that. No, it was that one of the sequels. Where the guy steals Velociraptor eggs. It's like, why do they keep chasing us? They keep chasing us everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, and that and actually that's also something that you can hold on to as your characters level up at some point. Then the mother dragon can show up when they actually have the ability to deal with it. So you can sort of play the long game with it. Oh yeah. But uh, let's say let's say that they roll another twenty and their dragon is born, and now they have a baby dragon around. Do we have any ideas of what to do with uh, a party with a baby dragon, other than just make their life kind of miserable? I mean, at well, some point you, you gotta. You figure it's a predatory reptile. Yeah. Which means, I mean, it might bond with something, maybe. Although it's it, it's sapient, but thank you. You got it. Might itself it's sentient actually. Both. It's both. Yeah. It it the it. It might look at everything else as food. I mean, think oh, of early on. Think yeah. of well, definitely anything made of meat. Yeah, well, yeah. Tells on, me it's so which is meat. probably going to be whoever it bonds with, all of their closest friends. Probably are made of meat. Of course. <laughs> well, I mean, you might have you might have a warforged in okay, there. Okay, that's true. But, that's true. But that's uh, a oh, that'd point. be funny. That'd be funny if the uh, uh, if the dragon bonded to the warforged. <laughs> Because it's the only one that he doesn't see as food. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. But, you, know, you, you could also just make it that the dragons don't actually bond. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that is just a trope that doesn't actually have to exist. No, it probably doesn't in D&D. The yeah. dragon is its own. Yeah, Classic, classically, small. the chromatic dragons are uh, incredibly antisocial, even to their own uh, blood kin. Um they you know they they don't like being around other dragons they make terrible parents um you know it, it's it, the it, the metallic dragons tend to be much more uh social but the the chromatic dragons tend to be like no we i am a i am a lone thing and i am the top of the food chain so it doesn't matter right yeah yeah, like yeah. when baby crocodiles hatch, they don't just like hang around their mother. They're done. They're they're fully formed, or they go off and start killing shit, right? Because I they don't. don't there's remember. no nursing going on. There's no. <clears throat> no. It, I well, they, so. I know they, that they they just, crocodiles will protect their eggs, but after they hatch, I don't know because I've seen video of of uh, Nile monitors going in and 
intimidating crocodiles into abandoning their nests so they can eat their eggs. That's impressive. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah Nile monitor is probably the meanest animal on the planet. Considering considering <laughs> how a crocodile, when they're born, they're pretty much teeth and swimming and everything. They're ready to go. So I'm, I can only assume that. But they still have those abnormally large eyes that all baby animals have. But they don't. There's no. But there's no nursing going on because they're a no, reptile. No, so no, no. I mean, let's let's sort of extrapolate that with a dragon. I mean, it would come out a fully formed dragon, able to fly, able to. Able to eat, but it's, but it's little. Not fully, it's not. It can't really think or no words or anything yet. It, right now, it's just an angry or, or hungry machine because it needs to pack on muscles and stuff. I right. mean, you can certainly work out the whole. It, it takes a little while to fly until the wings are fully formed, and then it needs to learn how to fly. So it needs something how to teach how to fly. But for the most part, it's going to be eating for the first, I would say, six months of its life, like constantly. Oh yeah, packing on weight. Oh sure, um, yeah. A little research on like how you know how much a baby alligator would eat when it's first born. Would probably give you a, a range of what you need to do, but I mean, I also don't want to just set out a whole bunch of things to punish your players. You know, the rewards of having a dragon in the party might be really, really cool. I mean, maybe at some point it just becomes sort of a glorified NPC where it flies out and learns on stuff on its own, and the, you know comes back to with information perhaps for the players. It, Excuse me. It now could, and again, it could also be like it, it could be the the dragon is it. it comes out with a sense of individuality right away, right? whether it can speak or not. And it might right, right away say, okay, these people, I, I, I'm familiar with them, so if I ever see them again, I won't immediately murder them. And that's maybe the best you can hope for. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's uh, enough. <laughs> in, in, in thinking about this, the druid did roll, uh, what is animal handling or something? Yeah, yeah I think it was animal handling. Some of that. Well, and I would contend that the dragon is not I mean, it's an animal, but it's not. It's it's a it's a sentient creature. Yeah, if you've got an IQ score that's like, like player character level, I don't think I don't think animal handling is supposed to work. Yeah, it, on in, a dragon. In uh, in D and D terms, dragons are not beasts. Ah, they are dragons. Go. Yeah, dragons are their own category, um, and uh, you would probably more have and and since they are sapient creatures they think for themselves um you probably want to go with something more like persuasion than Absolutely. animal handling right uh, yeah, charm animal i don't even think works on them and so maybe nope. that's something that's a, it's a like when the dragon is born the druids all go hey, you're my friend now and like, uh-uh <laughs> the other the other possibility that does not work on me i mean it i mean it, it never even has to get to the point where the thing hatches Dragon yeah. eggs are probably worth a lot of fucking money, yes. and, if the, and if the rest of the world finds out that they, they're oh, yeah. carrying around a dragon egg, because I don't know how big the thing is. You know, if it's little, it's something you can hide. But what, what the fuck if it's like this big and it's like sitting in the back of your cart? You got a blanket draped over it. Who what they got? Oh shit! I, yeah. I mean, you may spend more time trying to keep that thing safe from getting stolen than it really ends up being worth, too. Uh, that's, that's a great idea. Well. They'll do the whole Hagrid thing, which is, you know... You know <laughs> I won it in a poker game. Right. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Went from some bloke down to the pub. Seemed to be rather good, happy to get rid of it, actually. Um, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of great options that you can do with this egg without without uh, overpowering your player characters, especially if you take the time, let them level up before the dragon is hatched so they can actually maybe handle it. I think uh, I think it could be a lot of fun, but it's thought, yeah, I would I would put this into the category of the long play. Yeah, yeah definitely long play. I mean, the other thing is, do any of your players speak Draconic? Yeah, 
are you going to be able to communicate this with this creature? Because uh, I'm looking at the the monster manual and and wormlings, dragon wormlings, they they do understand draconic as a language, uh, but they don't necessarily understand common until they're older. Until they're learning, right? <clears throat> so um, there's you know. also, I would think, a bunch of you know. It's still based lizard things, which is virtually smell-based and sound-based and display-based, yeah. which humans can't do. So yeah. there's going to be, early on, some communication issues. You know, Absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of fun that you can have as a GM. I wouldn't see this as a detriment. I think that this could be a lot of fun, and you can do a little research. But, but also, um, you know, don't... I'm aware of this because it's something that I would do. Don't constantly punish your players with this, with this uh, dragon. I mean, at some point, it, it could come in handy, you know, especially if there's a TPK on the way and the dragon looks around and sees that its friends are in trouble and all of a sudden its breath weapon comes in and it's never done it before and takes Ooh, out yeah. the, or hurts a big bad and then people are like, oh, my God, you know. Uh, yeah. All of, all of that stuff can be a lot of fun. But it does probably mean that you as a GM are going to end up with a player NPC that you're going to have to keep moving around. And we talked about this in one of our other shows, which is having the druid or somebody be make decisions and make roles for this for this dragon. But that's something you're going to have to work out how you want to handle this extra player that isn't actually being controlled by anybody. Right. So there's well, that's one other thing to, to think about when, when this happens. But I don't know. It seems like fun to me. I'm actually having fun just thinking about it on my own. It's not mm-hmm. even my game. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's a, a very interesting uh, complication as a GM to, 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 to yeah. hand yourself. There's I, a I, whole I lot of things say, you can do with it. I will say this. I'm not going to be presenting that kind of opportunity to the players in my D&D game. <laughs> I don't want to paint myself into that particular. Well, he uh, didn't corner. either. They, the bastards rolled a twenty. You know what he's supposed uh, to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, but what he did was he put it. an egg in the room. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> at, at that point, at that point, it's it's uh, what is it? it's Chekhov's egg. Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, at this point, that you could shape the entire campaign around that egg. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, totally. You absolutely and, could. And, and in fact. Uh, you know what happens if they do decide? Okay, well, this is too much work. We're just going to sell the egg, or we're going to sell the 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 wormling when it hatches, or you know, abandon it, or whatever. No, this campaign is still about that dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because absolutely. it's going to come back. <laughs> the band of kobolds, you know, the kobold tribe is comes back for their egg. You know, it was yes. important to them. It was uh, they worshipped it, or it was yeah. You you, you stole know. our god. Give it back. Or maybe opportunities. Or maybe they sell the egg, and the, and now the dragon feels abandonment issues and becomes <laughs> right. a serial dragon and is murder yes. going around murdering people. Oh, or, all the bad, or, all, or the or the male or the female dragon shows up and levels the town that you sold the dragon egg to, and now they're pissed yeah. off at you because Actually, because you have just now devastated the town. You know, I could totally see the party leaving, and this oh, dragon yeah. flies in and levels the town, and they're like, uh. they're walking away from explosions. Right. <laughs> By the way, Stu, mm-hmm. I think it's actually a team of dragons. Wings up in ten. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a whole game called Dragoons and Dragons. We could be looking at a spree. All right. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Thank you, John from Idaho. Uh, the next email, differing game groups from Ken R. Who would like to read this? I can do it. Right. Go for it. 
Differing gaming groups from Kenar. Hello, ladies and gents of the Enlightened Kingdom of Douchebagia. This is my first time writing, and after an epically long time listening, in fact, I just caught up on every episode of my Antediluvian podcast player could get. About two years worth. So, <laughs> join me in a drink. Alright. I got coffee. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. I, mean, I got high alkaline water from, from Smart and uh, Final. There you go. It's I got electrolytes. Have... It's what plants crave. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. First, let me say that your shows, this and the AP, have been a shining light in a sea of gaming waves and troughs, storms and sunny calms that I've experienced. I started playing DD with the original box set. I mean, original. No dice. You had to cut out uh, the number of cardboard and shake them in cups. There was one before I'm, that one. That wasn't my the original. Buddy and I, <laughs> Played the adventure in the uh, in the back of the book, four rooms, six hours. That led to endless hours of hiding out of my room, hacking our way through our adolescences. Right. Non-stop up through university and beyond. Now, I've now returned in my adult, post-dependent child children phase, uh, returning via Pathfinder to Savage Worlds, which I love. Minimum prep, minimal dice, minimal taxing of mathematical cell- brain cells, yep. and lots of variety. Since COVID, I've tried playing Pathfinder on Roll20. I'm too old and technology, technologically inept to run anything myself, and discovered that I'm done with medieval-based fantasy. Forty years of that stuff, no more. Drink if you sympathize. Yeah, I, see, I, I do understand. That. Yeah, I, I, I still enjoy a good. I, I, I sympathize, but I don't empathize. Yeah. Um, enough rambling, though. My point of writing is first to thank you the incredible advice you've shared that has made this hobby more fun, less work, and more fulfilling than just stocking the next room with the next new monster. I, I now realize that the RP in RPG actually means something. <laughs> Yay! Yay. <laughs> Second, I want to share a discovery I've made. I'd like to like uh, a discovery I've made. Let me challenge you with my newest artwork. Vice. <laughs> um, second, I want to share a discovery I've made. Uh, I'd love to hear your views on. Pre-COVID, I was running two games of Savage Worlds. One is an alternate Earth pulp game with a group of experienced players that range from their late 20s to mid-40s, who are after referred to, referred to as the nerds. The other is a fantasy pirate game. Doesn't count as medieval-based fantasy. Totally different feel. Sure. With my son and his two friends, all in mid-twenties, hereafter referred to as the kids. The kids. The nerds have spent years to decades grinding up an unnamed fantasy RPGs, and the kids have almost no experience in gaming. A few sessions of D&D for two of them, absolutely nothing for the last. Mm. My God, it is so refreshing to be running games for kids. No pre- preconceived ideas, no metagaming, no rules lawyering, and... They're tra- when they're traveling through a mountain pass and they hear a rock clatter down, they don't think they think it's a fox or something, rather than forming a defensive ring and blasting fireballs. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I still enjoy gaming with the other group, but it feels so much more like I'm on the defensive. What have your experiences been running newbies? Alright, I'm done. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and bear stories. <laughs> keep up <laughs> on the bear stories, yep. And keep on putting it out there. P.S. I'm Canadian and proud to have taught my daughter to belch. Excellent. PPS, here's the shortest gaming horror story. Fourth gaming session ever for my son's buddy. Having to roleplay romantic tension with his best friend's dad. <laughs> Good luck sleeping tonight. <laughs> Ken R. All right. It's a great letter. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for all your compliments. Any uh, exper- experience with running with new players? Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the game I'm currently 
running actually um uh my my little sister is one of the players i say little she's 30 next week um but um and uh, old (laughs) (laughs) um and uh and one of her friends joined the game um to replace a player who had to drop out um and the two of them combined the the time that they've spent in this game is more than the time that they've spent in all other games combined. Oh wow. Okay. Um so <clears throat> now I've been playing I've been running weekly since March. So mm-hmm. it's that's it, actually a decent amount of time at this point. It's a really good amount of time. Yeah, well, we're at uh, almost 30 sessions. So yeah. Um but yeah, there's definitely a a, a different attitude between them and uh, two of my other players who are seasoned veterans, uh, even compared to me. Well, especially compared to me. Um, you know, they, they're guys who have uh, been playing since at least the 80s, if not earlier. Um, and uh, they, they definitely have a different different perspective on because they don't... The, the, the younger players don't know what the tropes are, right? Um, no, that's that's that a really good way to put it. They, they, you know, if I if I describe a creature to them, you know, they don't automatically jump to, oh, that's a night hag, you know, um, or you know, uh, I was actually able to surprise <clears throat> since the, the 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 reveal has already happened. Even if they watch the show, uh, it doesn't matter. I was actually able to surprise. Uh, everyone uh, by uh, making them all think that this particular human that they were going after was in fact human and not the Rakshasa it actually was. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know, I gave, I gave little hints, but they, it just, you know, as just, well, they should, I mean, yeah. unless they're a learned, you know, went to a collegium and studied a equivalent of a monster manual book in the library about yeah, exactly. various monsters that they have to kill. Why would they know what a Rexosha was, let alone its weaknesses and, and strengths? I yeah. mean, that's the way the game should be played. Like yeah. the first few times when, um, in fact, I remember as a, as a young player, we actually didn't allow people to read the monster manual because when we described what a cobalt was, we didn't want them to go, oh, it's a cobalt, and then immediately start planning to kill a cobalt Yeah, because they know um, its weaknesses. Yeah, I, I I was conversing with uh, one of my bandmates who has also been running D and D over remote during COVID, and uh, he has one player who reads the adventure because he's running a, a published adventure. <laughs> he reads the adventure manual the week, like the the next section of it, the week before the game. The player does. The player does. That's <laughs> that's. That's really like, that's like somebody wow. that that's like somebody that like hacks a video game so they get god mode or whatever just yeah. because they already know what's that's no. I mean I it's uh, I don't particularly like running the published adventures just because that's a lot of reading for me to do and I would much rather just come up much like Stu I'd much rather just come up with my own yep uh you know I I'll, I'm using a published setting I'm using Eberron because I think it's a cool setting, but I'm not using their, uh, you know, any of the the, the suggested adventures within it. Um, I steal so. from them all the time. Oh, I pull yeah, PCs no. out of them. I use the maps. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, oh, the maps are great. I, I, steal, I love I using steal the maps. From, 
my published adventures all the time, and I always like when I when I was running would have one in my pocket for the time that they went left and and decided to go into the sewers instead of the wizard tower I had planned. And now I'm like, all right, well, here's a map. That's the sewers. We're going. This published right. adventure has now become the labyrinth under the city. Yeah, but yeah. that's that, that's just me because I yeah. I got caught with my pants down more than once, and I now I prepare with something else there yeah. ready to go. But uh, yeah, no, it it is refreshing to see that you know that they're not. I, I have I have more than once run games with veterans who have been like, okay, this is what this encounter is going to be about, mm-hmm. like act, almost using those exact words mm-hmm. at the table and with every at other the table, player. yeah, exactly, and and you know we just need to go in, kill the shit, and, and get out, and it was like, well. Okay, thank you for diminishing everybody else's input on this. Um, okay, so it's a bunch of skeletons. So everybody, make sure you get your blunt weapons out because right. they don't like the weapon. Make sure you get the fire right. So this is what this is going to happen now. Anything else in there is not going to burn. So it's like, shut the fuck up, bro. So <laughs> I, I I do appreciate the fact that they've made enough changes in fifth edition that anyone who is familiar with like third edition doesn't actually no shit. Right. Because, for instance, <clears throat> undead, not necessarily vulnerable to radiant energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you know, it's like, oh, we're dealing with undead. Hit him with radiant. Okay. I mean, that, I mean, that works. It's not any better than just hitting them with a stick. Right. <laughs> or fire. Or, dead, though, right? It does, it does, but not, but with the the way that they've done it is that instead of undead universally taking or, you know, being vulnerable to radiant damage, certain radiant attacks do extra damage to sense. undead. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's not double, right? It's like roll 2d8 damage, or if the target is undead, roll one extra d8. That kind of thing. Right. Um, so, it you know, but it messes with their minds because they're thinking from back third 3.5 where oh it's undead hit it with radiant no and this is all reminding me of the of back in the day when i would used to i used to go through the monster manual find the obscure monsters that nobody knew mm-hmm. and then they used to make these aftermarket monster manuals and such that i used to, that i would buy just so that i had something they didn't know what it was so that so, they would have that element of surprise and that element of like oh my god what do we do and it and it, it this, this ties in and it, what it does is it makes the makes the experienced veteran who knows everything a newbie player again and it's exciting for everybody and it brings us back to the email which is it's really interesting to see new players and how they tackle something that they've never seen before or done before and it doesn't even have to be an encounter or it doesn't have to be a monster it can be just a counter and, and a kind of a place you know whether they whether it's how to, how they interact with a blacksmith or how they walk into a tavern but a lot of veterans we just fall back on these tropes and we, mm-hmm. we know all the monsters <clears throat> it's really hard sometimes to not metagame that stuff, even a little bit. And with yeah. new players, everything's new. It's the first time they've ever seen it or done it. So there's this excitement and this and this um, wonder. <laughs> and yeah. it's fun for the GM and even for veteran players to see that happening on the table. I was, just as a quick note, I, I know I'm probably steamrolling over your next point, but when, uh, Stu, when we were playing Vampire, we had uh, Jesse in our group. And Jesse's right. GM'd a little, <clears throat> or played a little, but not a lot, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And as a player... Watching her solutions and her and her ideas was so refreshing. Yeah, because 
it wasn't full of tropes. It was her own take on things, and it brought it, it sort of reminded everybody, like, oh yeah, we have a lot of different choices here. We don't just have to fall in on this. I okay. Yeah, it actually reminded me of my first vampire game, you know, which was my first role playing game. So it was like I, I, I don't know any of this sh- this stuff. I don't know any of the setting. I don't know any of this. Uh, I've gotten. I will admit, I have gotten worse about being the guy who over-examines the tropes as a player. Um, but it's hard not to. It, it is hard, and I have a tendency when I'm playing to think in terms of a GM rather than in terms of a player. And that's my own failing, and I work against it. Um, one of the, the things that is fun is, you know, if you're you're trying to get these... Uh, um, uh, get them off of the, the, the published materials is people have made some really compelling monsters for D&D, and they post them online, various places, Reddit or Tumblr or whatever, and one of the first things I threw in this game was one of those, like, you know, people invented this this thing, and it was based off of a meme. Uh, It was based off of of an internet meme. Um, I threw 30 to 50 feral hogs at them. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hogs are nothing to mess around with. No, no, they, they're really they would, not. They would kill and still kill people <laughs> to this the, day. Well, I mean, it, it was it was you know there was the the thing about uh, back in a couple of years ago where somebody was saying that you know I need my gun to keep you know thirty to fifty feral hogs from running over my ranch in in Oklahoma or whatever, um, and somebody created this and uh, uh, Stu, I shared it for you, um, but they. They did not mess around. This was the the barbarian who was being played by my sister runs in to, you know, go at this swarm of hogs and they critted on a trample. Oof. So they were fourth level characters. Oh boy. And I rolled 20d8 damage. I believe it. On on a crit. On a crit. I totally believe it. I also think that. Oh. I mean. Oh. Back in medieval times, you know, people went boar hunting and people died. But yeah, even nowadays, Robert Baratheon. <laughs> that's right. Even yeah. nowadays, people like you know will run into some feral hog and they have they have these like you know what they call it super pig or pig bombs or whatever these giant feral hogs running around that not only tear up the countryside but have in fact uh, yeah. you know attacked or chased people. So yeah. yeah, they're nothing to mess around with. There's yeah. a reason orcs are part hog, right? Part pig, isn't there? Aren't they? No. Uh, they are often shown as such. <clears throat> but as we know, all orcs are French. Right. We <laughs> we. Oui, oui. Anyway, Stu, Stu, do you have any uh, like when and some of your because um, I know you did some stuff at um, GameCon with some kids. Yeah, every so often, every so often, I'll have someone who's brand new in a game, either that or like a, a parent and a child who were playing, and the and the kids fairly new. And yeah, I mean, you guys have basically hit on kind of everything. Is that they 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 don't have the old just the old rundown way of looking at things that we all have after we've been playing for so long. I think that's one of the reasons. People like to switch playing games because when you oh, yeah. playing a different game, you, all of your assumptions kind of or a different system, all your assumptions kind of go out the window. You know yep. what I mean? As far as what what can happen mechanically. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> do you find yourself, Stu, as a, as a GM, when there's a bunch of new people at the table, learning some stuff about GMing? Because yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you suddenly realize that the descriptions or the tropes that you rely on your players already knowing as a sort of a shorthand, mm-hmm. you now have to throw out the window and and re-describe or re or or reframe what how it is you're you're explaining to them. Absolutely. Well, that that and also you end up getting questions that seem like they're completely out of left field too. I remember 
people like people asking questions about when I'm describing NPCs. What what, what color are their eyes, or or they start asking for for details about their personal appearance. That stuff that that, that an old gaming group would never ask. You know what I mean? Or care about right? Right. But please stop talking to my experience points. <laughs> exactly. Right. I brought that up at uh, at dinner. I said, it turns out my daughters, and it's something I have never really GM them. I think I GM my oldest daughter once, and and her her and a friend have a little game. But uh, they've independently gone out and found their own gamings. So, mm-hmm. In fact, my oldest daughter is starting another D and D game that's going to play cool. weekly. She's in a masks game, but. That's independent of me. I didn't say you guys are going to learn to game. It's all something that they went to. And my youngest has been co-GMing with her friend. That's really cool. Over Zoom, and they do this whole thing. So, And I don't want to get in their way, so I don't want to, you know, why don't you come and join me? You know, it's, it's, I'm letting them do their own thing. But it's interesting, the, the conversation at the table was much like we were just describing, which is, you know, like my youngest daughter is, is has gamed, but is new to it and has her own take on it. So just listening in on their view of how games are run and what they do is really interesting. And I, I think I think as a GM, it's really important to listen to your new players because I think it'll improve you as a GM. There's assumptions that you make and there's and there's tropes that you don't even know that you know that you've been relying on that when a new player comes around, like you said, what color are their eyes? All of a sudden you're you're uh, back your going uh <laughs> and and it will really inf- it, 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 I think it'll improve your GMing all the way around because all of a sudden now you're going to be describing even to your veteran players new things and different things. So, yeah. I love I think having new players around because I think it reminds you of how exciting a game is because you see the wonder in their eyes and it will it will knock the dust off of your off of your uh, uh, habits when you, as a GM to think back and to adapt to this person who's who's never seen anything like this before. Right. Definitely. And there's also this this last little bit of you're beholden to these new players to make sure they have a good time because uh, as the other email described, you don't want to be a douchebag and you don't want the other players to be a douchebag and ruin this first new experience for these brand new players. Exactly. You know? All right. Thank you, Ken R., uh, for the email. Uh, being a murder hobo in modern settings from Jonas Whittaker. Well, I guess that would be me. Excellent. All right. Dear Happy Jacks, I play and write for a Swedish horror RPG called Chalk, Etterfran Graven. I probably horribly mispronounced that. Uh, Shock Back from the Grave. It's mainly set in contemporary times, but still tries to capture the feeling of old horror, of old horror mirroring. Excuse me, sorry, rented lips, of old horror movies of the Hammer film flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, this has led to a problem for me, but maybe problem is the wrong word. It's rather a demanding challenge. My players get entangled with the law all the time. In classic horror, it wasn't really a problem if you went to a castle and brutally murdered the resident vampire. Maybe some of the inbred villagers complained, but you just picked up your stuff and traveled to another village to continue with your murder-hobo lifestyle scot-free. Just uh, just as I brought up my daughters the other day, uh, my oldest daughter and myself dropped the word murder-hobo at the dinner table, and my youngest had never heard it before. (laughs) (laughs) Laughed. This is an example of a new player. She, yeah. she goes, oh my god, they totally are! It was like, it was like 
oh my god, how have I never used this term before, and how does she not know it, right? Yeah. Okay, it, so here's an example of a brand new player. The word murder hobo was new to her and funny. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and, and, and knowing your daughters, I, I, I can imagine her reaction. Oh, she squealed. So, she thought yeah, it was the funniest thing she'd absolutely. ever heard. Um, <laughs> All right. But if you go to a vampire's mansion in a wealthy neighborhood today and shot him in the and shot him to death, people call the cops. Cops that are part of a national jurisdictional network and have ways to cooperate with international police forces if you try to leave the country. Sure, the police are underpaid and understaffed, so maybe the PCs could just stay hidden for the rest of the game. Uh, it's not like you. It's not like they are the main characters in an RPG story that will put them in life and death situations all the time. If the police got worried after the after that shootout in the fancy mansion, wait until politicians and the media get involved after the PCs have yet another shootout with a bunch of cultists next to a, next to a kindergarten a couple days later. Consequences, uh, you always say. Yeah. Have consequences. That's how you stop murder hoboing. Exactly. I don't really mind, and that's why I don't call it a problem. My players' interactions with the law have birthed engaging and unique narratives. Players have bribed officials, bought new identities, and even decided to come clean and let themselves be caught. That's refreshing. Wow. That's, uh, that's a new one. Really? <laughs> um, but, but the world of policing and prosecution is really complicated, and based in real-world facts that you, that, could need, that you could need to research. What do the police actually do to you if you come willingly? Well, <laughs> uh, Sweden, probably a little different than America. Uh, does it count as an arrest? Are you free to go after your testimony? Is what you tell them even classified as testimony? Doesn't that come later? And a lot of the steps involved aren't suited to the RPG medium. What happens if the police catch my murder hobos red-handed? They question them one by one to see if their stories match up, of course. That sounds like a fun session talking with my players one by one for an hour each while the others sit in another room <laughs> no right um it can be done uh i would suggest doing that in between sessions uh so what's the best way to handle law enforcement in modern games Say say that the cr criminal justice system is really slow and hope the players finish the campaign before the court date arrives. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually very plausible. <laughs> that's really plausible. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, looking forward on your insight in this topic uh, from Jonas Larson, guilty until proved otherwise. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> my philosophy on law enforcement in modern games is is the same as my philosophy on encumbrance. If you want to use it, use it. If you don't want to use it, don't use it. Because you can... The, you, the, having real I world... misheard you. I so misheard you. You said encumbrance. Yes, I said encumbrance. What did you okay. think I heard? I, I heard incumbents. Yeah. Oh, and man. I was just like... Okay. And the thing, I mean, the you're thing not wrong, is, but... The, th the thing is... It depends on the style of game you want to run. If you yeah. want to run... If you want to run a game... Where you've got real world consequences that is totally different. I mean, I ran a con game where the players played regular people in a vampire in a V twenty game or V twenty or is it V five? I don't remember. But they played regular people, and they there was someone missing. What do they do? They pick up the phone and they call the fucking cops. Yeah, I'm like, I was not expecting that. Now, if I was smart. <laughs> If I had been smart, the cop would have been ghouled by one of the vampires. But I didn't. It, but I wasn't thinking fast enough. I'm like, uh, 
okay, the police show up, and 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 it, things went a little sideways after that. But if you're going to yeah. run that kind of game, you got to be ready for that 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 kind of response. Because I mean, most of the time when we think of when we think of role playing games, you think of the players being adventurers and being adventuresome. But if you've got a situation where it's where, where law enforcement is real and capable and ubiquitous, doing doing certain things, setting buildings on fire, wrecking cars, killing people, destroying evidence, all this stuff has consequences, and that's a whole different kind of game than if you're running the game where the cops, you know, don't believe that monsters exist and aren't really paying attention because they're dealing with other more mundane things at the time. Two totally different games. It's just like if you're playing D and D and you go in and you want to fight a bunch of monsters, or do you want to count how many how many gold pieces you got and how much that weighs and how much you need to carry and whether you need to buy another mule for your cart. Right. Well, and, and there is a difference between a CSI game and a vampire game, sure. Where where the police are like vampires and werewolves. Are you are you you know come with us and here's this nice rubber jacket for you to wear. Um, <laughs> as opposed to CSI, where you know it's a whole. Uh, there's I, I keep thinking of. Like, if you want maybe a blueprint on how to deal with real-world consequences, go watch any of the Bourne movies, where when he starts hitting a guy in the airport, everybody notices and starts chasing him. And now, all of a sudden, he's basically on the run and has to keep hiding himself, and they've got a network of people that are around him. And that that will change your game and keep the players basically in the shadows and on the run and constantly hiding. But that's a consequence, you know? You just attack somebody in a public space with cameras, and they know who you are, and there's an APB out on you now, everywhere. Right. So, you know, just even getting on a train and going across the border is they're going to stop the train and check for you. So yep. that will change the game, but they can still be murder hobos. In fact, in many ways, it's, it's a little more, more fun. fun. Cause yeah. Now, <laughs> right, because now they're, they're on the run anyway, so what's it matter? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's a... And there's even in, in some of the Jason Bourne movies, he even gets taken into back rooms, and they're about ready to handcuff him, and he has to get out. Or he even does get captured. Um, what was the one I saw recently? The Girl in the Spider's Web, where oh yeah, where some she's she's orchestrating a whole breakout for one of the guys, you know, in order to get out. I mean that. And but now your game has taken on a whole different thing, which is it's the rest of the world is against your players as well as your players trying to achieve their own goal. So yeah. there's two different things going on. They've got they've got what they want to do, and the world is trying to stop them. No right. matter. I mean, you, and this this can be a way to shake up your game uh, because I mean, what is it? There's only six basic conflicts, uh, and and if it changes from. Um, if it changes from uh, uh, you know man versus nature to man versus society to man versus himself over the course of the you know various chapters of the game, as it were, uh, that can be an interesting way of, of keeping things uh, keeping things fresh. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, I, I know that um, I know that in in various versions of the White Wolf games um, involving the cops is 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 very much a, an element um, that is that is actually pointed out in the in the setting material uh, in vampire yeah the cops might be the local cops might be ghouled to the uh, the, the local uh, you know head honcho uh, vampire in the city but most likely the feds are 
not beholden to any one vampire. And so you might not have to worry about the local the local Leos, but if the FBI shows up, you might be screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly in Hunter, where you're hunting you're you're essentially a a a, <clears throat> uh, a, a normal person who has one extraordinary ability uh, and you and and plus you can recognize you, you can often recognize uh, uh, monsters for what they truly are you can see that they're vampires you can see that they're werewolves you know you can see that they're uh, uh, wraiths or whatever um, uh, but you're still vigilante justice and the the cops are gonna be you know if you you take a, a, a crowbar to somebody in a in a in Times Square the NYPD is gonna respond to that pretty quick uh, doesn't matter whether you are uh, you know uh, compl- claiming that oh no 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 it's it's a werewolf it's a werewolf uh, really? Even, even bystanders might jump in and try to. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's you that know? scene I think in Captain Marvel where she's on the train and she takes out the scroll, and the rest of the people are trying to stop her from attacking this old woman. You know, so yeah, uh, things just don't go unnoticed. Yeah. I'm trying to think of is there a gaming system where the Law and Order is uh, maybe Call of Cthulhu, where Law and Order is sort of mapped out, and then there's there's some maybe. Like in game mechanics, not that I know of. I mean, it isn't in Call of Cthulhu. I mean, there's mention of law enforcement, certainly. I'm trying to think of a a, a game system that they could read to sort of give them a blueprint on how to handle law and order or or the law if if and when it turns up. And I'm sure if Tappy were here, he he probably has. Oh yeah, it's there's a a cops and robbers. It's a great gaming system, and it's. But uh, I'm saying that there might be something out there for how to handle it because, just like offhand, you're right. Most of the games just leave it up to you to how do you, how you're going to handle you know when the cops show up yeah um yeah i was just looking in one of the white wolf books that happened to be right here see if there was something there but um, which is you know why a lot of people buy a lot of game systems we don't yeah. just buy game systems to run them you're not going to play everything no yeah no we're going to play every game we buy to mine the mechanics or or sometimes just like uh to problem solve or just give us ideas mm-hmm. yeah so uh Go watch a bunch of CSI like Stu, and maybe that'll give you some ideas. That was Criminal Minds. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Criminal Minds. I I haven't started to see CSI. There's like 8 million spinoffs, too. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Yeah. uh, I've watched all all of... All of them. So... (laughs) uh, I might have a problem when it comes to police procedurals. Um, Well, you know what got me hooked on it was the... What's the... It's called Blacklist? I can't think of the name of the actor. Yeah. Who's the uh, actor? Uh, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, Spader, James Spader. James Spader, yeah. And I, 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 I thought when James Spader sort of reemerged on The Office as as Robert California, I'm like All puffy and bald. Oh and yeah, weird. it's yeah. like this is awesome because <laughs> and it's a, basically the same character that he was playing in. in there Black are no Street. strings on me. <laughs> <laughs> He was an odd choice for Ultron. I thought he's, uh, <laughs> he's a great actor. He's a fantastic he's not, actor. He's just weird. He is, I, he is. I guess maybe that makes a great actor. But I am. Um, I don't want. I, I'm trying to. I want to be an alligator. <laughs> I'm trying to. If you're playing a game in the modern world, it's important to remember that that yes, the cops have 
cameras and can communicate and will send your pictures around. And I, I think it's you're doing everybody a disservice, especially yourself, if you just pretend that doesn't really exist. I think it's it's really important to not play down the fact that, you know, and it's not like the Old West, unless you're playing in the Old West, it's not like the Old West where the law was sort of different from town to town and communication was really slow. So if you went and held up the bank, it would take a long time for them to, you know, for their, for your hand, for their hand-drawn picture to get sent to the next town to say, I'll be on the lookout for these guys. Uh, so in modern, in modern times, it's important for, we all remember their cell phones, computers, satellites, all of that stuff is there. Yeah. And, you got to traffic can, cameras. I mean, yeah, all of that. And up close, it, yeah, it, it can really work against the players. Even in a superhero game, sometimes there's you got to sort of like you're gonna you're gonna punch that guy, you know, into the yeah. into the building. Okay. I mean, there, there's the uh, um, and you brought up uh, you know just bystanders. You know, uh, maybe it's not as uh, uh, big of a deal in in Sweden. Uh, where or I don't know where you're running your game, but um, you know it, the 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 concept of just somebody walking around the street with a concealed carry license and a, a Glock strapped to his thigh is not uniquely American, but it is prevalent here. Um, so if you go to town on somebody in the public's, you know, in in a public space. It might not just be the, it might not just be the cops that you have to worry about. Oh fuck! Uh, if, if you open fire on someone in a crowded space, you're getting SWAT and you're getting got probably half a dozen law enforcement agencies descending upon you in hours. Yeah. Oh, oh, sure, <laughs> absolutely. But I'm I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about you know the the. Just I, I don't like AK-47 over your shoulder is going to draw attention. <laughs> yeah, you go. yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about I, I don't like the phrase, but the 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 concept of of a good guy with a gun, you know, as, as opposed to you know the, the bad guy with a gun. Which which are you if you're the PC if you're walking around and how does and, anybody know and and how is anybody oh, supposed yeah. to know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd like to amend my earlier statement too. It's like because I seem to remember we tried a superhero game once where the law and all that was important. So when you hit somebody through a building, suddenly the building managers came after you looking for recompense because they're like, "You just destroyed my fucking building, <laughs> right?" And it's a different kind of game. It kind of takes some of the fun out of being a superhero, where you got to worry <laughs> about the consequences of picking up the dude's car and throwing him at them. Um, because it's cool to pick up a dude's car and throw it at them, but then if if they come after you and look for insurance money, now you're you know like, and you're gonna have and you're gonna have guy. you're gonna have lawyers from three or four different insurance right. companies after you, right? <laughs> and it really so all of a sudden your superheroes become a villain, and it really changes the game a lot. That if you there's, can't just pick up a car and throw it at the dude because it's super cool and you're a superhero, now all of a sudden you're like there's a consequence to me fucking throwing that Nissan at the Hulk and oops. <laughs> I mean, I, I seem to recall that there is an, an organization in the Marvel. Damage. Comic control. damage control, yeah, yeah, exactly. That you know, after the battle, the of, yeah, after the battle of New York, you know, where yeah. everything got totally effed up, um, something, some, somebody had to come through and clean up after and there was all, all this that. alien tech lying around. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. <laughs> so I mean, that was the the premise behind uh, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. So um, spoilers. And, and uh, that was that. That's barely spoilers. It's the first five minutes of the movie. You're not. If, if you've seen the thing, you're not qualified as to what's the spoiler. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> he hasn't seen it. I have. 
whatever. But yeah. even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to a certain extent, too. So Yeah, exactly right. So I guess I'm going to amend my statement um, before I get jumped on by all the emails. Everybody stop typing now, which is, you know, if you're going to choose to bring in your law enforcement, be aware that it's really going to change. Oh, yeah. It's like adding encumbrance rules. It's like what I said. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there you go. Uh, how many gold pieces I get? Oh, I well, can only afford to take 30 of them. What what you've ended up doing is will someone is else making, carry the others? <laughs> what you end up doing is you make your heroes vigilantes and you make them villains to a certain extent. Yeah, because because if you've punched the dude through the building, they don't care that you were trying to stop him from something else. They just want their money back for the, the bill. And then you know they're, now the police are worried about this guy who just randomly punches people through buildings and he could be a, a threat. You know, all of that stuff spins out of out of your actions. And it and now all of a sudden you know, but I'm super guy I'm Mr. Incredible I'm you know why why are you coming after me I help you people it's like there, yeah but did you see the trail of damage you have behind you there you know I don't yeah, know you feel that incredible there's a good reference actually is the yeah. the, the Incredibles movies oh yeah exactly um, and and you know people just getting totally fed up with superheroes and. Why wouldn't they? Why would like you're they? out having a picnic and all of a sudden, you know, somebody drops a satellite in the, right on top of you and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Uh, where's the thing? Here it is. Willis. Oh, and I should say thank you to uh, Jonas for the email. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Willis. Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode 16 of Happy Checks Over Your Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And I'm Kurt. And we'll see you next week at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. Saturday. Happyjacks.org slash live. Sabado gigante. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs>